All right, welcome to Steeler Country. I am Tony Serino, and boy, what a week it has been in Steeler Country. Free agency started, what, just about a week ago. I'm recording this on the 22nd of March. So yeah, just about a week now into free agency. And boy, it's it's been a busy free agency for the Steelers. Now, we knew going in that this was not going this was not going to be a quiet free agency. The Steelers had a couple things going for them. Number 1, they needed a quarterback, and so they were likely going to go out and make a move there. But they also had the the money that comes with not having a quarterback. Right? I mean, Ben Roethlisberger's cap hits in in recent years have have certainly been uh on the larger side. And so him coming off the books uh, in 2022, meant the Steelers were going to have some cap space to work with, just over $20 million in cap space when this thing started. And that was without making a move. And that was without cutting any players or without restructuring any deals. Uh, the Steelers went into this offseason with $20 million. They did make some moves. They cut Joe Schobert. They cut Zach Banner. And that, that freed up another, I believe, $13 million in cap space. But the Steelers were, were relatively busy. I mean, they, look, they didn't go out and get the big, big names, right? The ones that Steeler fans like to dream about, the J.C. Jacksons of the world or the Brandon Schraff or, or Tron Armstead. You know, the Steelers are not going to be in the market for those guys pretty much ever, I think. Because the thing you have to remember about those players is that the value, yes, it is fun to sign a player to the richest deal at, at a, because, oh, look at the player we're about to get. But when you sign a player to that big a contract, the value that you're getting, in a fixed pie scenario, which is what the salary cap represents, you get a guy who's who you're paying the top dollar at the position, and he's only the fifth best player at the position that year. Well, then you had no value out of that, or you had zero value. You had negative value out of that. And I think that's what the Steelers understand about free agency, which is look, let's not go outside the organization. Let's not overpay for a player who, in all likelihood, is not going to to bring back the kind of returns that the dollar amount we paid him represents. And that's why they like to build through the draft and just plug holes in free agency. That's why you normally see the Steelers wait until the second round of free agency or even the third round of free agency and pick up some cheaper players at spots of need, but not necessarily big name or big money guys. Now, this season was a little different. I still don't think the Steelers went out and, and spent big, big money, but this was this did, this did represent somewhat of a shift in that they got, you know, what, six free agents so far and... Three of those players are near the most money on a year-to-year basis they've ever given out to a free agent. So in some ways, they did break their mold. But again, we're not talking about $14, $15 million a year to any of these players. The the big-name guys here are getting $8-ish million a year, which is still far below the, the big money that's being given out to some of these other guys. So we'll talk all about the free agency class and, and what I think about it and, and uh, where this leaves the Steelers roster at this point. And then I want to shift into later on in the show about the pro day circuit. As we get in it closer and closer to the draft, the pro day circuit is so important in understanding who the Steelers are valuing as their first round selection. Going back all the way to 2010, if Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert are in attendance, that player is in the running to be the first round selection. To word it another way, since 2010, every player the Steelers have, have taken in the first round has had either Mike Tomlin or Kevin Colbert in attendance at the Pro Day. That means if you're putting together a big board, if you're saying, oh, here are the players that I think the Steelers could take in the first round, they better have had Mike Tomlin or Kevin Colbert in attendance at their Pro Day. If they weren't, it is very 
very unlikely that that player will be taken by the Steelers in round number one. And so we'll go over today, and I'll let you know who Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert, which pro days they attended, and which they didn't. There is one big player out there that continues to be associated with the Steelers, but Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert were not at that pro day. And so I think I think some Steelers fans are going to be disappointed by that. But we'll talk about that later on in the show. Let's start with free agency right now. And it didn't take long for the Steelers, once the legal tampering period started, it didn't take long for the Steelers to go out and sign their first player. And that is quarterback Mitchell Trubrisky, formerly of the Chicago Bears and Buffalo Bills. He signed a two-year deal worth anywhere between $14 million. That's the base of the deal. It escalates all the way up to $27 million. Uh, It's performance escalators there, depending on how he performs in Pittsburgh. So it's it's essentially a two-year, $7 million a year deal that could escalate, but depending on how well Mitchell plays. Now, I know some of you who are listening, who who also listen to me on either AFC North Talk or on Locked On Steelers are expecting me to do a little victory lap right now as, as, okay, yes, I did predict that Mitchell Trubisky would be the next Steeler quarterback, and I predicted that all the way back in December. So, okay, minor victory lap for me here, but that's not why I'm excited about this. I'm excited about Mitchell Trubisky coming in to be the Steelers quarterback because I think he was the best option, the best realistic option the Steelers had available to them. Again, going back to the daydream stuff. At quarterback, of course, we as Steelers fans all daydreamed about Aaron Rodgers. And that little head nod that Aaron Rodgers and Mike Tomlin did during the regular season. And, oh, does, does does Aaron Rodgers want to come play for Tomlin? And, and could he force his way into the team and do the Steelers not have to give up so much to get him? Of course, we all we all went through those scenarios in our head. But, you know, given who the Steelers are, given where this roster is, and given where Aaron Rodgers is in his in his uh in his career, now at 39, you know, he him himself is 39 years of age. It was it was unlikely. I mean, it was just unlikely. Given all the, you know, every step of the way, you would have to have Rodgers not want to retire and want to leave the Packers and only want to join the Steelers and the Steelers want to have to make that deal and they'd have to want to pay him the kind of money that, you know, again, it was, it was, that was always a long shot. Same with Russell Wilson, same with Deshaun Watson. But when you, so when you looked at the the best of the rest, right, when you knew the Steelers weren't going to be giving up big draft capital to go out and get a quarterback in free agency or in, via trade, then I, I think Mitchell Trubisky fits fits exactly what Mike Tomlin has been telling us he wants for the last year. And that's what gets me excited. Look, I, I tr- at this point, I trust what Mike Tomlin thinks about roster building. Because what Mike Tomlin did back in 2019 with subpar quarterback play from both Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges was nothing short of a miracle, an absolute miracle, to drag that team with, with very bad quarterback play to an 8-5 and five record late in that year. And yes, they lost their last three games, and they end up 8-8. Eight and eight. But that team should have been far, far worse than they were. And we all, and I thought at the time that that would be the greatest Mike Tomlin season we would see. You know, when you think about how bad that team was and, and, and what he elevated that team to. But here we are two years later, and I can't stop going back to the 2021 season and thinking about how bad that 2021 team was. Look, I know they finished the season 9-7-1. and one. In fact, not only did they finish 9-7-1, and one, they finished 9-7-1 and one and just a half game out of the Cincinnati Bengals, the AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals, who they finished the year 10-7. and seven. The Steelers were a half game back of the AFC North. And I, I think about the play of Ben Roethlisberger last year and the struggles that he had, the struggles the offensive line had, the struggles they had 
uh, with the running game, the inconsistency they had at the wide receiver position, how brutally awful their run defense was. I think about all of that, and then and and then I cannot believe that Mike Tomlin got that team to be the second best team in the AFC North, and again, just out of the AFC North race by a half game. And so you mean to tell me that that okay, so now he's been telling us for a year what he wants at quarterback, which is two things. Number one, he wants quarterback mobility. I mean, every press conference he's done for the past year, he's talked about the same thing: quarterback mobility and how important it is for the modern NFL. Right, it is. You know, he talks about how important it is that a defense doesn't just have to worry about where you're going with the ball with your arm, but what you can do with your legs and what that does to the mentality of a defense and how how much more difficult it makes to defend your entire offense. And of course, you have to feel bad. <laughs> you do have to kind of feel bad because Tomlin was saying that during the year, during the year, while while Ben Roethlisberger is still playing, Ben Roethlisberger, who was probably the least mobile quarterback in the league last year. Tom was talking about how it's so important that you have mobility at the quarterback spot. <laughs> Sorry, Ben. So here they go. They go. And, oh, and then the other thing that he wanted was a veteran, right? We, we heard this from Jay Glazer, who's very good friends with Tomlin. When Jay Glazer reports something about Mike Tomlin, it's not coming secondhand. That's coming from Mike Tomlin himself. And so he reported that Mike Tomlin wants a veteran. He doesn't want to have to start over at the position. And, and that does make sense considering what they have defensively, right? They have, they have three legitimate superstars on defense, when you talk about Cam Hayward, T.J. Watt, and Minka Fitzpatrick, and T.J. and Minka are pretty much in their prime at this point, and you're you're you got a twilight, you got a bit of the twilight now of Cam Hayward's career, and so you, you don't want to have to wait around for a rookie to develop for two or three years, to, you know, to stay uh, or to get back into contention. I think Mike Tomlin legitimately believes that Mitchell Trubisky, if they can if they can improve parts of his game can keep this team competitive. Now, I don't know that they're really going to compete for a, a Super Bowl in the AFC because, my goodness, the gauntlet that you have to go through at this point in the AFC is, is absolutely incredible. But I, I, I don't think that, that the Steelers are looking at this year with Trubisky and saying, oh, yeah, we're, you know, we're going to be a five-win team. We're going to be a six-win team. I, I, think the, I, I think the eyes are on another playoff berth, maybe not a division title, but certainly another playoff berth, and, and to be competitive – in those games. I mean, this is a team a year ago that, once again, with all the problems they had, beat the Buffalo Bills, beat the Tennessee Titans, swept the Baltimore Ravens, and and swept the Cleveland Browns. I mean, th- this team was competitive against some of the better teams in the AFC. I mean, they, they went right down to the wire with the Chargers. So, no, I, I think what I, what I like about Trubisky and what, what, he, what I think he brings to this offense, that, again, that mobility is going to open things up for Matt Canada's offense. It's going to open things up when it comes to being able to move the pocket around, to run some more of that outside or wide zone and run play action off of it, and all of the things that, that Mitchell Trubisky is going to bring to the team are, are as much going to be about what he can do with his legs as it is what he can do with his arms. Think about the, the amount of RPOs the Steelers like to run in this offense. Well, the RPOs in this offense are mostly, are you going to give it to Najee or are you going to throw the ball? Now you have the added, the added RPO of, is Mitch going to keep it? And, and that's just something else this defense has to think about. And when you when you look at Matt Canada and what he wants to do offensively, his whole offense is built around shifts and motions and, and keeping defenses on their heels. And then when you look back at what Ben Roethlisberger brought to that offense a year ago, you know, unfortunately, his physical limitations when it came to both, both his legs and, and his immobility, but also... You know, the arm strength and his inability to, to fit the ball in, into tight windows 
or his just his lack of wanting to throw the ball over the middle, it, it did limit a lot of what Canada and this offense could represent. And it and it, it certainly made this offense, you know, almost as predictable as it was under Randy Feekner the year prior. The hope has to be with Trubisky, that he comes in and he's not going to light the world on fire. We're not talking about a guy who's going to throw for 4,500 yards and 40 touchdowns and all of that. But this is very much a do-your-job type of quarterback. Go in there and, and improve this team on first and second down. That's where this team really struggled. They could not get a running game going early on in the count. On second down, I mean, you know, we talk about was it going to be play action. It was, it was usually just kind of some sort of short throw um, or, or some kind of deep shot down the sideline. And then third down, it's, it's pray that Ben can make a play. To Ben Roethlisberger's credit, he did make a lot of plays in those clutch situations. You know, what Tomlin calls those money downs, money situations. Give Ben Roethlisberger a ton of credit for what he did in 21. Because while he had so many limitations, he did make clutch play after clutch play, especially late in football games. He stayed relatively turnover-free in 2021, and he made some big plays down the stretch. My hope is that Trubisky can improve this team on first and second down and get more consistency to this team being able to move the football, open some things up in the running game because of what he brings to the team in the play action. But where he's going to have to improve is he's going to have to improve in those clutch moments. Mitchell Trubisky on third and seven. Mitchell Trubisky down by four with three minutes to go on the clock. The 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 parts of the year last year that we trusted Ben Roethlisberger are not going to be the things I'm going to trust about Mitchell Trubisky. right? And, and that's kind of the, the, the shift the Steelers are going to have this year. Is that, well, I think they probably will be better on first and second down. When it comes down to it, you know, games are won in the, in the last five minutes, especially the way the Steelers desire to play football. And that's where Mitch has to be better. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not, the Steelers are not going to win football games if Mitchell Trubisky is not going to be able, late in football games, to take care of the ball and make big plays. And that, that's going to be the job of Mike Tomlin. That's going to be the job of Matt Canada. It's going to be the job of Mike Sullivan, the quarterback coach, is putting Mitch in situations late in football games to go out there and win it. And certainly, you know, he's got to not lose it first. So I'm excited about Mitch because, again, I think Mitch represents an overall improvement at the quarterback position. You know, with, with the caveat there that, you know, the, there's some big plays that he's going to need to make late in football games that at this point you have to say it's an open question as to whether or not he can do it. Now, moving along here to the offensive line, uh, the Steelers made a couple moves here that I, I think are, are intriguing. Well, they made three moves, actually. Two of them are outside signings. One of them is bringing back a player to a contract that I don't think anyone really saw coming. But let's first start with the two players that they brought in from outside the organization. They first bring in Mason Cole from the Minnesota Vikings, a player who can play both guard and center, giving you that flexibility on the interior. And then they brought in another player on the interior, James Daniels, uh, from the Chicago Bears, another player who can pretty much play any of the three positions on the interior. Now, if you look back at the Steelers' play on the offensive line back in 2021, where they really struggled, where, where they really got hurt was in the middle of that, that offensive line. Their interior offensive line was a massive, massive disappointment for a couple reasons. Number one, let's start with Kendrick Green because he was you know, kind of the storyline of the year and, and how poor his play was. You know, Kendrick Green came in from Illinois, third round pick, loved his attitude, loved the kind of mauler mentality that he had. But he, but the, the knock on him and why he was a third-round pick was because he was undersized at the position. 
And and the question was, does he lack the kind of core functional strength that you need to go up against some of these bigger defensive tackles that you're going to be facing? And as as the year kind of played out, you know, for unfortunately for for Kendrick Green, it got worse and worse as, as the year went on. He got he he really started getting mauled as the year went on. As you know, look, it's it's tough for players to make the transition from the college game to the pro game when you talk about going from a, a an 11 or 12 game schedule in college to now a 17 or even you know with the Steelers making the playoffs an 18 game schedule in the National Football League it's tough to make that adjustment i i get that but boy did he did he really disappoint and i think the the problem for me with Kendrick Green is it really did come down to that being undersized that just not having the the strength at the point of attack how many times do we watch Kendrick Green just get absolutely mauled into the backfield on a play-by-play basis? You know, that, that kind of road grader, right, the, 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 the nastiness that he has, unfortunately, that only got him so far because what, what ended up happening is that he just has physical limitations that he couldn't overcome. And, and this is where I go. I, I hear people all the time talk about Kendrick Green and say, well, just move him to guard. Move him to guard. Why not just move him to guard? Well, the idea of moving a, a center to guard is is fine and all if you believe that the problems that they were having at center were, were the mental part of the game. You know, identi- identifying the mic and, and changing protections and all of that, right? If you don't believe a player can do all of that and still be a, a quality interior blocker, then yeah, you should move him to guard. But if we're, why are, is, was that the issue with Kendrick Green? Are, are we looking back at Kendrick Green's 2021 tape and saying that the the reasons why he was getting mauled into the backfield on a play-by-play basis is because he he was thinking too much? I just have a, I have a hard time with that. I think the problems for his game are core functional strength and him being an undersized player. And that, look, I, you know, it, it's it's an open question as to whether or not you can fix that. I hope he's working. You know, it, it's a it's a training regiment in the offseason. He's got to bulk up. He's got to get stronger. But I don't believe a move to guard is the right answer for him. The, the right answer for him is to just get stronger, is to, is to, 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 to hold up at the point of attack far better than he did back in 2021. And I, I think the Steel, I think the moves the Steelers have made this offseason kind of tell you that I'm not sure that they're ready to, to completely give up on Kendrick Green. Certainly I, I, not overall and potentially not even as a center. I mean, it's not like they brought someone in right now who you're penciling in today as he is, ab- this player will absolutely be the center instead of Kendrick Green. James Daniels could be the center on opening day today, or Mason Cole could be the center on opening day. But neither of those players today, I think, unseat Kendrick Green as the center. And the reason for that is because you look on either side of the center position, and you have two massive holes to fill. Let's talk about Kevin Dotson for a second, and and where he stands on this roster, because w- one of the more intriguing storylines to look back on now was that report that we heard from Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, who reported just before training camp was opening that the Steelers were very disappointed in Kevin Dotson, specifically you know, his work ethic. Now, it was it was widely disputed at the time. There was like, hold on, you know, Kendrick Kevin Dotson was so good back in 2020. How can you be how can the Steeler coaching staff not like him? He was the one bright spot in an offensive line that was aging and all of this. And then the season started, and and Kevin Dotson was nowhere near, nowhere near the player that he should have been coming off of the season he had 
in 2020. Then he got injured, and he sat out pretty much the entire second half of the year. The Steelers activate him from IR, let him start practicing again, see if, oh, can we get him back? No, they could not. Right? How often does that happen? How often is a player activated from IR, but never promoted back to the 53-man roster? I don't know the numbers in front of me, but I, I would imagine that, that number is very, very small. And again, it goes back to the idea of the work ethic. Did, did the Steelers' doctors clearly projected that he should be ready to go. That's why they activated him from IR. But he clearly was not. And I think you go back to that report early in the year from Dayon where, where he said the coaching staff is, you know, has question marks about Kevin Dotson's work ethic. That's a tough situation because Kevin Dotson going into last year was, was a player that I was extremely excited to watch. I thought this is, at, at, yes, this offensive line was going to be pretty much changing wholesale. But if, if Kevin Dotson could come in and be a bright spot on the interior, especially on the left side there, where he's going to be playing next to Dan Moore and next to Kendrick Green. Well, that you know, if you have if you can make that work, and you got three good players, then oh, you're 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 gonna you're gonna make the, this whole thing can kind of build from there. But instead, he was as much of a a a problem on that line as was Kendrick Green in the middle. And then you go to right guard. Trey Turner's gone now. John Leglue was an interesting player last year, um, and, and you know, could John Leglue fit in somewhere on this offensive line? And he'll be back. You know, the Steelers got the exclusive rights to him. So he'll be on the roster. I think he'll compete somewhere. But I think right now, I'm looking I'm looking at an offensive line that's going to look like this. Dan Moore is clearly your left tackle. I thought he improved. He was, he, he was uh, you know, as far as the young guys on the offensive line, the one guy who did consistently improve game over game. And by the end of the year, I think everybody felt like this is a guy who's, who's earned his spot now as, as the left tackle going forward. Um, and so I think you, you, you pretty much you can say with certainty that he's going to be the starter. But next to him, is it Kevin Dotson? I'm not so sure. I could easily see that being Mason Cole. I could easily see it being John LeGlue right now. I think at center, you, you stick with Kendrick Green. On the right side, it, it feels to me like James Daniels is a perfect addition there. And then at right tackle, where I think we all, you know, every Steeler fan thought that was going to be something the Steelers could address potentially in the draft. Instead, they re-signed Chukso Kora for to a three-year deal. To a three-year deal worth almost $30 million. Quite nearly $10 million per year for Chukso Korafor, a player who two years ago in 2019 was quite possibly the worst right tackle in the league. In the league. He was outright awful. And what did the coaching staff tell us in, in, in that offseason? Well, yes, he wasn't good, but we're going to move him to left tackle, and we think that's really going to unlock part of his game, right? Now, it's a weird thing to say that moving a player from right tackle where it's generally considered to be easier, you're going up against worse D linemen than you would be on the left side, and then you're going to move him to the left side, and that's going to actually improve his game. Oh, okay, well, listen, we'll see if that works. And not only did that not work, he actually lost out at the left tackle spot to a fourth-round rookie. And so they keep him on the right side. Now, I will give Okorafor credit. Because as bad as he was in 20, uh, 2020, he wasn't that bad in, in 2021. I mean, you know, quite honestly, he was perfectly fine. And, and I understand why the Steelers will bring him back now. Because, the look, he's not a great player. Is, is he deserving of $10 million a year? No, but we'll get to the contract in a second. He is coming off of his best year as a Steeler. And he is only, what, 24, 25 
years of age. I mean, it's not like this kid is almost 30. You know, he he's still young. I, I think the Steelers believe he's probably still got some growth left to him. The the concern I have with Okorafor is you're building a team around being a ground and pound style of offense, right? A, a an offense built around running the football with Najee Harris, running play action off of it. You need offensive linemen who have that mentality, right? Who want to go out there and dominate the guy in front of them. Well, Corfor has never shown that. That's always been his problem. It's his run blocking. He's, you know, look, I, where I will give Kendrick Green credit is that he at least has the attitude of the kind of player who wants to go out there and dominate in the running game. Now, physically, he's not able to do it just yet, but Okorafor is the exact opposite. Where I, where I think, you know, he's got the athleticism, the, 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 the strength to be a player who can go out there and dominate. He just never had that mentality. So maybe they can unlock that from him at this point. But you're, you're, it's, it's interesting that a, a team with the mentality of the Steelers is signing a player at right tackle, re-signing a player at right tackle, who's a better pass blocker than he is a run blocker. And his run blocking is actually a very weak part of his game. Interesting, but the Steelers will keep Chooks in the fold. Going to his contract, by the way, it's, it, yes, it's three years, $30 million, but it's they can easily get out of it this year if they need to. I, I think his cap hit this year is something like 4 or $5 million. Uh, not a lot of it is tied up in signing bonus. And so if Chooks doesn't work out this year, if they need to move on from him after this year, they can get out of that deal and save uh, quite a chunk of change in doing so. Um, so overall, I think what they've done on the offensive line is fine so far. I do think they probably are going to want to add one more player. Because I, I, you know, as we just went over, I think the left side is is perfectly fine right now. When, when If that's going to be Dan Moore, I'm completely good with it. You know, I, I think James Daniels is definitely going to start at guard. We know Okorafor is going to start at right tackle, but I still have questions about both Kendrick Green and Kevin Dotson. Dotson seems like the kind of player now, as he enters into the third year, and, and a player who the coaching staff clearly has massive concern about, that I could easily see being replaced on this roster. Kendrick Green, I don't see getting replaced just yet. I think the Steelers are going to... going to the, the, the Steelers are just not the kind of team that gives up on a player like Kendrick Green after one year. So I think Kendrick Green will be a starter in 2021, but I think there's still an open question as to who plays in Kevin Dotson's place if he doesn't step up. And that's where I think you could see the Steelers take a guard perhaps early on in the draft. All right, let's see. What else did the Steelers do? we got to go over to the defensive side at this point. Two big signings for the Steelers outside the organization. First of all, Miles Jack. Miles Jack cut by the Jacksonville Jaguars. And this was one Steeler fans where we daydreamed about it. We said, "Oh, could it really? Could could it really? Really? Could we really get Miles Jack to go alongside Devin Bush with Brian Flores as their coach?" Yes, Steeler fans. Yes, we can. And by the way, it didn't cost a whole lot. Two years, sixteen million dollars. Eight mil a year. Eight mil a year is, is a lot for the Steelers to give out. It, it nearly breaks the record of Steven Nelson. No, it, 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 it in fact, it just falls beneath that. But Miles Jack's a great player. I mean, Miles Jack. Now, the only, here's the question I have about Miles Jack pairing alongside Devin Bush is when you talked about how are we going to fix Devin Bush, it was a couple things. One, you you wanted to fix the defensive line. You wanted to improve that from where it was last year because you know none of those guys could could uh, stand up, and so it, it just meant you know free free essentially free runners. And by that I mean guards and centers and tackles getting to the second level and getting their hands on Devin Bush. You didn't draft Devin Bush at 5'11", what is he, 5'11", 230? 
You're not taking him. You don't, you don't draft him to take on guards at the next level, right? You want to keep him clean and let him move sideline to sideline, which is his game. And so in order to do that, you need to improve the defensive line and you need to put a thumper, a Vince Williams type, next to him. Now, I don't know that Miles Jack is exactly the thumper, but where I think Miles Jack is a real improvement is, is where I think Devin Bush was the biggest disappointment, which is not the run game. People talk about Devin Bush in the run game all the time as being this massive disappointment. As I said, you don't draft a 5'11", 240-pound linebacker to be your mauler in the run game. You sign that player to be a difference maker in the passing game, to be a, the kind of player who you do not want to throw the ball against because he's too quick and, and he's too agile. Um, and that is exactly the player Devin Bush has not been. In fact, to the point where he goes to getting taken off the field on passing downs a year ago. That's where I think Miles Jack, look, my, that's where Miles Jack can help because we, we, we all remember 2017, okay? Miles Jack is a very good player on passing downs. I know that that was, what, five years ago now? But uh, I, I like this Miles Jack signing a lot of a lot. And I don't, I, I talked with Chris Carter about this on, on Locked On Steelers this week about the idea of does Miles Jack kind of preclude this team from taking a linebacker in the draft now? And while I don't think the Steelers are going to be completely ready to let go of the idea of Devin Bush being a, a starting linebacker in this league, I'm not going to be shocked in the third round if, if they do take more of a thumper type, right? More of a guy to play alongside Miles Jack. You know, look, not to say, we're gi- not to say that they're going to be giving up entirely on Devin Bush, but it's, Devin Bush is essentially going to go into his, his final year now. They're not going to pick up the fifth-year option. And so you do have to start thinking about life beyond Devin Bush in some ways. So, you know, I, I think Jack is an interesting player, but what's going to be even in, more interesting is looking at the draft and seeing if the Steelers potentially draft someone not to take Devin Bush's place, but to play alongside Miles Jack in that thumper role uh, at the linebacker position. The Steelers also got Levi Wallace at, at corner. Uh, Levi Wallace is, is a, is, I mean, this is a Steeler type player. You know, it, it, when you when you evaluate cornerback, when it comes to the Steelers, you have to remember that what they value out of a corner is not just someone who's going to get up at the line of scrimmage and play that press man and, and, and mirror and stay with you one-on-one down the field. They want someone who's going to be that, that player at the line of scrimmage who's in there in the running game just as much as, as they are in the passing game. You know, they, they value that so much out of that position. And that's exactly the kind of player that Levi Wallace is. Now, he's, he's a kind of do-everything kind of corner um and and i think he's going to fit so well in this defense I, I don't know that he's going to be an every down starter just yet you know i, I think that there's probably a, another shoe to drop at the cornerback position when it comes to the draft but i think levi wallace certainly look if levi wallace is the third corner on this team right now that's a fantastic spot for this team to be in and if it and, and let's say he is a starter i mean look, t- today right now if you're projecting you would say levi wallace is a starting outside corner on this team as is probably Akilah Witherspoon, who the Steelers bring back. And Witherspoon was fantastic a year ago. And then Cam Sutton moves to the slot where we know he can play really well. And I think that's, you know, that that right there is a is a pretty good position for this secondary to be in. And then, of course, you know, behind that, they've got, you know, they brought back Arthur Mallette. You've still got Justin Lane. You've still got James Pierre behind that. And I do think a corner is coming in the draft at some point. So Wallace is one of those guys. Wallace is a, is a very Steeler-like selection in free agency where it's very under the radar, two years, $4 million deal. Nobody's talking about it. But I think he it, it's, it's a scheme projection. He fits so well 
with what the Steelers want out of that corner position. Um, and so, uh, and then that takes us to the final free agency signing, which is Gunnar Olszewski uh, from the New England Patriots. He was a former All-Pro punt returner. Now, this is a, a classic Steeler you know, special teamer type. You know, they brought Tyler Matikiewicz in the past or um, Derek Watt, what he's been doing the past couple years. Uh, Olszewski's going to come in and likely be the kick and punt returner exclusively. Now, the question is, are they going to play in that wide receiver? Do they see him as being a specialty player in the slot, potentially in a Matt Canada offense? You know, the wide receiver position is super thin right now. You got Ray Ray McLeod, who signed a deal with the 49ers, so he's gone. James Washington is gone. He signed with the Dallas Cowboys. And Juju is gone. He signed a deal with the Kansas City Chiefs. And so, boy, it's a, it's a really sparse room right now at wide receiver. You've got really Deont- you've got Deontay Johnson. You've got Ray Ray, or excuse me, you've got uh, Chase Claypool. And then you've got Gunnar Olszewski. Not, not a whole lot else at wide receiver. I do expect that going forward now, I expect to see the Steelers sign a wide receiver in free agency, and I expect to see them sign a safety at some point because Terrell Edmonds is still out there and unsigned to this point. I think right now, you know, for me, the priority though has to be the safety position because they, I think this team needs to figure out, do they want to keep playing Minka Fitzpatrick as this single high safety, you know, the, the kind of last line of defense behind them, or as the rest of the league is starting to do now, do they want to go to more of a two high shell, right? Do they want to put two playmakers back there side by side in a, in a two high shell and force these quarterbacks in their division. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. We've seen time and time again throughout this postseason run and, and even in the regular season how dangerous they can be down the football field. Lamar Jackson played his best ball in 2021 when he was able to hit down the field, down the field to guys like Sammy Watkins and Hollywood Brown. And Deshaun Watson has one of the best deep balls in the game. That's why he put up such massive, massive numbers in Houston the last time he was there. And so when you look at how does this team need to evolve on defense, I think it's an interesting thing that the Steelers have not signed a safety yet, and now you kind of take the landscape of not just the, the, uh, the AFC North, but the AFC in general. Russell Wilson, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. Does feel to me like adding a quality safety, a second safety to go alongside Minka Fitzpatrick is going to be key to this defense. That Levi Wallace is coming in as a cornerback who runs a 4-6. He's not going to keep up with the speedier guys in this league. He's not keeping up with Jamar Chase down the sideline. He's going to need safety help over the top. Cam Sutton's not a speedster either. Uh, and, and Akilah Witherspoon, while he has better speed, still not one of these, you know, not a 4-3 guy by any stretch. And so I, I think the Steelers need to prioritize safety. We all keep talking about Tyron Matthew. I think it will be a wonderful addition. I'm not sure it's going to happen for sure. But I I do think the Steelers need to prioritize that position and get a guy in who they can trust alongside Minka Fitzpatrick. Again, take the top off, right? Or, 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 excuse me, keep a lid on it, I should say. Keep a lid on it and force teams to beat you methodically down the field. If you're going to have an offense that wants to be ball control, that that wants to run the football and keep the ball out of the hands, of the opposing offense, then you want a defense that's not going to let teams score quickly. This game's going to be dirty. It's going to be a grind. It's going to be very much the style of play that this team had back in 2021. A couple other moves the Steelers made. They got uh, Montrevious Adams back on a two-year, $5 million deal. Adams was was very good as a uh, as a nose 
in uh, in 2021. Um, I think that was a that's a good move bringing him back because look, I know everyone keeps talking about Alu Alu coming back and oh Alu Alu is such a big you know a, a big player coming back. I, I agree with you. However, however, he's 35. You know Alu Alu was was not exactly a young player a year ago, and he's coming off of an injury. So I do think the Steelers adding some depth on de- on the defensive line is a good thing, especially at that nose position. What I think is interesting about the Steelers on the defensive line is the fact that they didn't add another player you know, to kind of go alongside Cam Hayward, which would have signaled to me that they think Stephon Tewitt may walk away from the game. It seems to me at this point, and we, you know, it's still a long process, we'll see what they do in the draft, um, but it does seem to me that the Steelers are likely uh, assuming that Tewitt's coming back, which in all honesty, you know, forget about all the signings they just made, right? the Mitchell Trubisky's of the world, the, the James Daniels. Getting getting Stephon Tewitt playing football again is the biggest acquisition this team will make this offseason. You look at how poor they were in the run defense last year, and not only that, but what he brings as a as a pass rusher as well. I mean that that is a monster, monster player to add back into that defensive line. So that takes us through all of free agency. And let's move over into the draft. Uh, we are fast approaching the draft. This is a little over a month away. And I think we're starting to narrow down here where the Steelers are going in the first round. I will say this. If you were disappointed that the Steelers took Mitchell Trubisky so early on in free agency and thought that, oh, no, that means they're not going to get a a quarterback in the first round. Well, well, (laughs) I got some good news for you. It seems like the Steelers are looking very closely at a couple quarterbacks in this class. So, again, to, to kind of set the table here, what we're looking at, and we talk about the pro day circuit, is where did Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert attend? Once we narrow down the schools that they attended, we can take the draft prospects from those schools and say that these are this is the list of players, this is the possibilities for the Steelers. Because Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert have been at the pro day of every player the Steelers have taken in the first round, going all the way back to Ziggy Hood. Ziggy Hood was the last player where neither Tomlin or Colbert was in attendance. So, looking through it, let's just start with today. I'm recording this on the 22nd of March. It was Malik Willis's pro day. Now, you go all the way back to the Combine, where it seemed very obvious, and the rumor was throughout the, the entire Combine, that Mike Tomlin, the Steeler coaching staff, the Steeler front office, enamored, enamored with Malik Willis and his skill set. And now, so that takes us to today, which is the pro day. And, yep, Mike Tomlin, Kevin Colbert, Brandon Hunt, who is potentially the new general manager, uh, Matt Canada, and Dan Rooney Jr., who is the uh, player personnel coordinator, all in attendance. And, by the way, I want to give a huge shout-out here to Alex Kazora of Steeler Depot. He does a fantastic job scouring the video, the the pictures coming out of these pro days to, to identify which Steeler members which dealer uh, employees are at these pro days so huge shout out to him all the information i'm telling you today is coming via his reporting uh, so i want to give him a massive shout out here on the show so mike tomlin kevin colbert brandon hunt matt canada and dan rooney jr all at malik willis's pro day yes you can you can start to daydream Steeler fans those of you who didn't want to see trubisky who would rather have malik willis as the future star of this Steeler team, well, not going to stop you from daydreaming about it. I ser- listen, even as a guy, even as someone who is all in on Mitchell Trubisky, and that's me. 
I'm in. I'm in the Mitchell Trubisky hype train. Listen, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna deny the the talent that Malik Willis has. I understand that the floor is very, very low for him, but there is no ceiling. I mean, there when you look at his skill set, there is no ceiling for Malik Willis. He's a long way to go. He does have a long way to go. But as always gets said, it's it's never been easier. It's never been easier to play foot to play quarterback in the National Football League. I mean, the rules have made it, the, 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 the style of offenses that have been designed make it so easy for players to transition now. It's why you see guys like Patrick Mahomes, who had crazy tape in college, and Josh Allen, who, oh, this Josh Allen's third-round pick, fourth-round type pick. And these guys have now become the best players at the position because it's, it's, it's becoming an easier transition. And you need to, well, the, the thing that I have learned in, in, in scouting this position over the past couple of years and watching the transformation of the position. Stop caring about the floor. Stop caring about the floor of a player at the quarterback position. Worry about the ceiling. All you got if the ceiling is there, bet on the ceiling. Stop worrying about the floor. And that, and that is what worries me about a Kenny Pickett. Now, the Steelers were at Kenny Pickett's Pro Day as well. That Pitt Pro Day happened yesterday, the 21st. Uh, Mike Tomlin, Kevin Colbert, Terrell Austin, uh, Omar Khan, Dave Pettit, and Will Britt were all at that pro day. Um, interesting, by the way, that Terrell Austin was there because Damari Mathis, the cornerback from Pitt, put up some spectacular athletic numbers. Um, and so I think Mathis, as we start to project into day three, perhaps, uh, could be a player to watch for. But the Steelers are, are you know, doing their due diligence on Kenny Pickett. Now, some other things to, to talk about. Nevada has Carson Strong, another player, maybe not a first-round type prospect, but uh, another player that that uh, people have their eye on in this draft. Quarterback coach Mike Sullivan was at Nevada's Pro Day. Tomlin and Colbert were not. So don't rule out if the Steelers miss out completely on Pickett and Willis, and we'll see where else they go throughout this process. Don't rule out that that Carson Strong, if he, if he lasts until the Steelers pick in the second round or potentially even into the third round, that he could be that pick. So where else did Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert attend? Well, they went to Michigan's Pro Day. They usually do. Michigan is is one of the best uh, schools in in the country at developing NFL talent. Uh, that's going to be the case again this year as Aiden Hutchinson may be the number one overall selection in this class. Mike Tomlin, Kevin Colbert, and area scout Dan Colbert all in attendance at Michigan. Uh, it, it, it'll be interesting to see which of the players there the Steelers are really going to have their opportunity to get. You know, obviously Hutchinson's going to be gone very, very early. It, it, I don't know if you guys saw this, but David Ajabo, who is an edge rusher who very likely would have been picked far ahead of the Steelers' selection, he tore his Achilles at the pro day. Awful, awful injury. And so he may go tumbling down some boards. Daxton Hall is a really interesting DB prospect. Uh, Hassan Haskins, if you want to change a pace type player, Hassan Haskins could be that running back. Um, so, you know, so again, Tomlin and Colbert usually attend Michigan because they've got a ton of talent. That's not, it's again, the case this year. Um, but I'm not sure, again, I'm not sure that there's first-round talent for the Steelers there because Hutchinson's going to go so high. Ajabo with the torn Achilles, and he plays a position at edge that the Steelers don't really need to upgrade yet in the first round. The Tomlin and Colbert also at Clemson's Pro Day, along with Brian Flores and wide receiver coach Frisman Jackson. Uh, they were likely there to see Andrew Booth Jr. I think Andrew Booth Jr. would definitely be a the type of selection you could see the Steelers take at 20. I am shocked. Whenever I see a mock draft where Andrew Booth does not go in the top 15, 
I mean, the Sewers just don't get a chance at a guy like Booth. So sticky in coverage. Uh, again, at, you know, a physical both as a as a corner down the football field, but at the line of scrimmage as well. I think they would love to take Booth at twenty, it, you know, assuming that they miss out on quarterback. Justin Ross at wide receiver is an interesting player. It, it did not test well whatsoever. Um, he was so good, I believe, as a freshman, right? Wasn't it? It was way back. Um, and the other thing that, to note there is that Frisman Jackson put Ross through his workout. Still got a real up-close look at Frisman. Uh, let's see. Other ones that they went to, Georgia, of course. Georgia has pretty much every good defensive player in this draft. I won't go over all of them, uh, but the big name there was Jordan Davis. That's the defensive lineman that put up numbers that are so spectacular. It, it, it defies belief that, that a player of that size can move that fast and that athletically. Um, I would be shocked if Jordan Davis is still available to the Steelers at 20, but boy, would he make a tough decision for the Steelers if he was, uh, because again, I don't know that the Steelers need a massive upgrade on the interior right now, especially if they believe two is coming back, but you just can't pass on Jordan Davis. You know, Devontae Wyatt, Trayvon Walker, Nicobe Dean, Quay Walker, Channing Tindall, Louis Cine. Louis Cine is a good player, by the way. Look for him in the second round for the Steelers. Uh, all all very good. Wide receiver George Pickens is another player that I think the Steelers would be lucky to get potentially in the second round if he fell that far. But even at 20, I think George Pickens at wide receiver could be a real difference maker. And those are all of the pro days that Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert have attended so far. But that does so. So that's the list right now. And obviously, out of these players that I've just talked about, I think Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis are the two most intriguing because they represent what could potentially be the future of the quarterback position for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think for both players, if the Steelers want to get them, they'd have to move up in the draft. And the question is, how far are the Steelers willing to go? They're at twenty right now. If you look at the if you look at the the twenty twenty two draft um, and who's picking where, I think number 10 overall makes a lot of sense. The Steelers have already done this once in their history. They've already gone uh, from 20 to 10. That was that was back in, um, what was it, 2019, to get Devin Bush. So they, they, we've seen this before. Would they do it again? Would it cost more this time? And would they have to go even higher, potentially? I mean, I've seen Malik Willis... I've seen rumors out there that Detroit likes him a lot, and and that's really going to rule out the Steelers getting him whatsoever. I mean, they can't move up to the second overall pick in the draft. But who do they have to get ahead of? Right? Well, do they have to get ahead of Carolina at six? That would mean that they have to go up from twenty to five. That's a lot of draft capital to have to give up. Do they have to get ahead of potentially Seattle at nine, or do they have to go ahead of uh, Atlanta at eight? That means that do they have to get to number seven in the draft? And could they, you know, again, number 10 ahead of Washington, that feels more doable to me. It's just something to watch on draft night. I, I think the Steelers really do covet Malik Willis more than any other player in this draft. They usually don't make a, look, the Steelers don't make a secret of it. Everybody knew last year it was going to be Najee Harris. It was just a question of if Najee Harris was going to last that long. He did last that long. He ends up being the selection. With Devin Bush and Devin White, it wasn't a question of, are the Steelers going to take Devin Bush or Devin White? It was a question of, would one of them fall, and would the Steelers move up to get them? One of them fell to 10, the Steelers move up to get them. So, I think for this year, it's it's probably you know, very similar. I mean, I think for the Steelers, it's a question of how far does Malik Willis fall, and how far are they willing to move up in the draft. One other thing I want to talk about before we go, 
And that is the players that I think at this point you can probably rule out as being the Steelers' first-round selection. Number one, Trevor Penning of Northern Iowa. Tomlin and Colbert not at that pro day. They were, again, that, 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 that pro day happening the same day as the Pitt pro day. So Trevor Penning, who's a very good tackle, very uh, got that kind of attitude the Steelers look for. Tomlin and Colbert not there, so you can likely rule him out as a first-round type prospect. The other player that the Steelers did not attend, Tyler Lindebaum of Iowa, who's a player at center who looks spectacular, exactly the kind of player that could play center for this team for years and years to come, especially considering all the, the problems that they just had with Kendrick Green. There's been This player has been in a mock draft for the Steelers over and over and over again. Well, Mike Tomlin, Kevin Colbert, not at that pro day. Not at the pro day for Tyler Lindebaum. I know that's a disappointment to a lot of fans. It doesn't completely rule it out. Again, you know, this is this has been the rule to this point. I, I, I'm, I shouldn't sit here and say it's impossible for them to take him. But we're talking about 12 years of history now. It makes it very, very unlikely that Tyler Lindebaum will be the Steelers' first-round selection. So looking forward now at the, some of the pro days coming up, uh, as I, again, I'm recording this on the 22nd, so tomorrow you got an interesting one. you got Ohio State's Pro Day. Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, receiver talent there. The Stewards have an opening at receiver. Do they value that? Could see them there. Could You could see Mike Tomlin, Kevin Colbert there. But you could also see them at Ole Miss, where you're going to be seeing uh, quarterback Matt Corral throw at that Pro Day. And, you know, for, for as, as much as the Steelers have shown interest in the quarterback position thus far, do they consider Matt Corral on the level of a Kenny Pickett or a Malik Willis? We shall see tomorrow. The other interesting one, I'll throw this out there. I, I, I would doubt that they're going to be there, but Kevin Colbert, Mike Tomlin may be at UConn's pro day. Travis Jones is, a, uh, is an interior defensive lineman who has looked very good throughout the process. Now, 20 would probably be too high for them, but... I want to just throw it out there. I want to throw it out there. Uh, we go, by the way, the very next day, the 24th, is Cincinnati's Pro Day. That is where uh, Desmond Ritter will be throwing. And so, you know, as we kind of go through this of all these guys, you know, <laughs> all five of them, right, which ones are Mike Tomlin going to be at? Which ones are they not? So far, they've been at both Pro Days. They've been at Kenny Pickett. They've been at Malik Willis. We'll see tomorrow about Matt Corral. We'll see on the 24th about Desmond Ritter. And then I believe it's not till the 30th, uh, or the well, what is it? It's it's later on when uh, North Carolina has their pro day. Um, uh, sorry, the twenty eighth. So North Carolina, that's Sam Howell. He'll be throwing that day. Interesting thing to watch that day, by the way, on the twenty eighth. Florida's pro day the same day. Kyer Elam, very good corner in this class. Steelers probably valuing corner at this point if they miss out on a quarterback. So do they value Sam Howell or do they value uh, a player like Kyer Elam? Yeah, this is the interesting part of this process, right, is, is getting to see where they go because we can start to narrow it down. Yeah, obviously, they attend all the big pro days. So, you know, they, they always go to Georgia. They always go. They'll be at Bama. They always go to uh, Clemson, Michigan. They'll probably be at Ohio State tomorrow if I had to guess. So, obviously, you know, it's going to be a big board. But um, we'll start to narrow down who the Steelers want at 20. I still believe it's going to be Malik Willis. I just uh, – for me, it's just a question of how are they going to get there, and and what is what is that going to look like as far as draft capital given up? He's not Malik Willis is not lasting to twenty, 
So the question is how far are you willing to go up to get him? Um, I think that's what's going to be interesting over the next month and a week, which is uh, how far the draft is away now. All right, that'll do it for me today. Thank you all for listening. Uh, I will be back next week with more Steeler Country.